Hi, welcome to the Guys for Podcast, just two guys answering the internet's questions. I'm Sean Cordingly. And I'm David R. Smith. Today, finally, we're getting to Tony's question of, what are your top ten movies from the 40s? I have spent so many hours going through TCM and sending Dave 40s movies specifically to do this for you, Tony. And I have spent so many hours at home watching these movies from the 40s so that I could finally get to this point. Yeah. Also, you guys, this is a big day for Sean and Dave. We are recording in the same room for the first time in about six months. Four. Four. Whatever. It feels like six. September, October. November. Four and a half. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. It feels like a long time, but this is uncharted territory for the last little while. Yeah, it's weird. I, I almost feel like I need to go, like, record in the other room or something. Just look at you, but also have my own computer, just to be like, I... <laughs> we We could do this over Google Hangouts. <laughs> we literally could. I forgot my microphone in Lethbridge. Oh, it would just meant, be, then it'd be a tinny sound, so I guess we'll just have to stick with it this I way. I could stick you on a headset, I guess. I have a good new one. So, there you go. Like, yeah. See, exactly. Yeah, just to make it feel more like home, but... You know what? We'll gut. We'll gut through it. Feel more like home. We've done four months of it remotely. We did what three years in the same place. Yeah, yeah. It's nice to be back. Yeah, it's good to have you back. Yeah. And talking about the forties, right? It's been a big week. Like literally, part of how I've been able to do this is since. I mean, Sean sent me a bunch of different like, oh, you should watch this and this and this. Yep. But I have had more time having come. You know, I get home from the U, and it's just like, well. I've got time to kill because I don't have to run off to another job, so I will watch this movie from the 40s. Yeah. And that's what I've been doing. So, turns out, I hadn't seen a lot of movies from the 40s. I thought I had seen more, but as I was going through my list, it's like, that's from a couple days ago, and that's from this week, and that's from last week, <laughs> and that's from a couple weeks prior to that. About half of them have been since I moved into the new place. Oh, yeah. I am not surprised yeah. at all. Now, granted, some of those have been on my PVR since before I moved. I just finally got around to watching them. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And but, I think yeah. p- part of the way that this came together also lends itself to the fact that we are going to have a lot of crossover mm-hmm. because a lot of the movies on Dave's list are movies I'm like, hey, Dave, you should watch this because I think it's great. And Dave watches it and he's like, hey, this is great. Exactly. So... Now, Two and a half minute preamble aside, that might mean that this is one of our shorter top ten lists. Considering I am, as you, most astute listeners would be able to tell, just getting over a cold, mm-hmm. I would appreciate if this was not an hour and a half. Well, then let's plow through this. So my first honorable mention... Mm-hmm. Oh, I get to go first because I've been sick. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> In case anybody's wondering why, that's why. Yeah. Uh, my first honorable mention is The Great Dictator from 1940. Now, I have not seen that one, but I'm familiar with it because it's the one with Charlie Chaplin, right? Yeah. It is a Charlie Chaplin talkie, and most people know it specifically for his speech at the end. Like the big rousing... Where it's talking about loving each other. Yeah. And it's, it's essentially about Hitler, kind of? Sure. Well, it is. It's yeah. dictator Adenoid Heinkel. Oh. And he's dressed like Hitler. Yeah. So it's essentially a satire of, it's kind of a satire of that, but a satire of dictatorship. But sure. there's also he also plays a poor Jewish barber trying to avoid persecution. Interesting. So it, like there's both sides of it, and no, it's good. 
I think most people, if they know that, it would be they would be familiar with it because that scene has been floating around the internet the last couple of years. You know, anytime, yep. especially with Trump and everything happening down in the states, it's just all these different things coming to light, and people have been sharing this, being like, "This is more poignant now than it ever has been." Sort of that sort of feel to it, and maybe not more poignant, which is horribly flawed, but yes, but or more poignant now than it has been in recent history. Sure, yeah. But okay. it's just kind of very apropos of late. <laughs> it's, it's literally a satire of Hitler. It has never been <laughs> more prescient than it is now. So yes, I, I, I was exaggerating slightly there, but <laughs> it has been surfacing lately because of the political upheaval that half the world is in right now. Yeah, exactly. Oh, there may also, there's another scene where he plays with a globe. Where oh. it's, it's a like a giant inflatable world, and he play oh. like he plays with it, kind of like a a gymnastics thing. Oh yeah, and I feel okay. if anyone's seen that, that's also the great. Dictator. Oh, good to know. Okay, so. cool. It's one like like I said, I haven't seen it, but I am rather familiar with the concept of it, just because it's Chaplin doing the Great yeah. Dictator. So cool. My first honorable mention is The Three Musketeers, mm-hmm. starring Gene Kelly and a bunch of other people. Gene True. Kelly is D'Artagnan, and I, I I don't Van something was Johnson. Yeah, was it Van Johnson? Probably. It might have been. I can't remember. <laughs> I just saw this one recently, but um, uh, Angela Lansbury plays Queen Anne. Yes, she does. Which is remarkable because this movie was made in the '40s, and she's still doing Broadway. Yeah, which is kind of awesome. And um, uh, who plays? The, the other lady we were talking about her um, isn't it Lana Turner Lana Turner yeah yeah, yeah. and so <laughs> it's just like it's it's and then about, like the, yeah the, the actual three musketeers were played by people I wasn't familiar with um, Van Heflin Van, okay yeah I, was like, I feel like I would have remembered Van Johnson because that's a Simpsons reference right he's yeah. good <laughs> Van Johnson good yeah god that would have been great that would, uh, I would that would have made me so happy. So yeah, Van Heflin. Yeah, Van Heflin. Um, Vincent Price plays the the Cardinal. Yep, Cardinal Richelieu. Cardinal Richelieu. So like, it's a pretty good cast. I enjoyed the movie. It was kind of hammy and kind of cheesy at points. Oh, it's a it's a forties classic. Yeah. Yes, it's hammy. But what I really liked about it, and I mean, it it was. It told more of the story than, say, like the the '90s one that I grew up with, like the with Kiefer Sutherland and. Oh yeah. Like so, it's it's better. I mean, I liked the actors in that one, and I always I have a soft spot for that one because it's. Oh sure, it's but if one... you're looking for a film version of the Three Musketeers, yeah. the, the book, the Three Musketeers, eh, yeah, Kiefer is not really the one to go to. No, and so that one it was good. So it was a little bit longer and told more story than I was used to. But what I really liked was the the fight choreography was really cool because you get. Gene Kelly, who is an amazing dancer, so you have him doing fight choreo, but you also have him kind of doing dance moves, especially in the first when he kind of endears himself to the Three Musketeers when he's supposed to be dueling them. Yeah. And then some of the King's guards come and try and take them take them down, and so they take these right. guys on. And when he's fighting the like the, the captain of the guards, he's doing flips over top of them and stuff, and like you can tell there's a lot of dance to it as well. So it was cool yeah. to kind of see that blend of fight, sword play, as well as choreography. Yeah. So, yeah, it wasn't my favorite movie by any means, but I felt like it bore... I felt like I should mention it. That's exactly what honorable mentions are for. Exactly. My second honorable mention is White Heat. Okay. From 1949. Mm -hmm. It is a James Cagney gangster movie. Nice. Okay. Uh, It is about a criminal with a mother complex 
who makes a daring break from prison and leads his old gang in a chemical plant heist. Okay. Yeah. So it's a 40s gangster picture. Love it. It's so you know exactly what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. It's James Cagney, so you know exactly what you're going to get. Right? Now, I'm not sure I've ever seen a James Cagney movie. Wow, okay. I know, right? Like I he's one of those like I know he's kind of the gangster from the 40s, one of the one of, one yeah. of the the marquee gangsters of the 40s and it's yeah. just like how have I ne- how has one of his movies never crossed my path? That's very also, strange. Also, an yeah. amazing song and dance band. Really? Oh yeah, a half of the musicals from the 30s when I finally get you ready for Tony's <laughs> 1930s list. Star James Cagney. Cool. Yeah. I definitely have some on the 30s on my PVR, but I've been trying to burn through, like, because there's been some from, like, 1951. I'm like, damn it, that movie sounds amazing, but I have to get all my 40s in. (laughs) Same with the 30s. There's some amazing ones on my PVR from the 30s and previous and prior. Yeah. Because you're going to do 30s and then everything from the 20s earlier, right? That was our idea. So I've got some from both. I'm just like, okay, 40s first. Uh, That's good to know. That's really cool. Yeah. Because he's not somebody that you would think. It's like Clint Eastwood. Like, Clint Eastwood took a bunch of dance classes when he was younger. You had to at the time yeah. to be a star, yeah. But he's a Western guy, so you, you get known for this thing, but you have these other skills. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to talk about with White Heat? Like, uh, This is where the phrase top of the world ma comes from. Really? Yeah. Oh. It's very worth watching even today. It holds up very well, especially for a 40s gangster movie. That's that rare. Right? This okay. one holds up very well. Cool. All right. Uh, my second honorable honorable mention is On the Town, starring Frank Sinatra and Gene Kelly and some other guy who I can't remember. Uh, Van Johnson? <laughs> <laughs> he he didn't was certainly not as famous as the other two. No. Um, no he and I think he wasn't. died fairly young, so he didn't have a lot of opportunity to to make something of himself. But he was kind of the goofball. Jules uh, Munchen. Is that what his name was? Yep. Okay. Kind of the goofball of the three, and basically the concept is it's uh, sailors who land in New York, and they have 24 hours between when they get off the boat and have to be back on the boat. Shore leave, yep. Yeah, they're on shore leave, and they're looking for dates. Yeah. And Well, one of them's kind of looking for dates, and one of them really doesn't want to go on a date, but ends up really hooked into a relationship. Yeah. And then it kind of works out, and... Oh, yeah. As these tend to do but because it's Gene Kelly and Frank Sinatra there's a lot of music and dancing and like Frank Sinatra does pretty decent when when they're like when it's a, a mutual like a, a, a group dance number he's okay he's okay like he holds <laughs> his own but you can tell that the dance was the choreography was for Frank and not for Gene especially when there's that dream sequence when he sees when Gene Kelly sees the poster and he has a dream sequence <laughs> of the two other guys who are sort of his friends but they're professional dancers they're that not Gene played Kelly can yeah, dance. they're not played by Frank Sinatra and Jules whatever his name is they're played Munchen, by yeah. yeah they're played by professional dancers so they can keep up to him man i wonder what that would be like with my friends and then it does that like weird flashbacky dream in, shimmer in true 1940s musical fashion where it's like we have this scene and now we're gonna do it what would it be like on Broadway yeah. it's a really fun show I yeah. really enjoyed it I wasn't sure what to think about because you know, like as I've stated before I'm not I'm a huge musicals guy but like yeah. the songs were good and the dance numbers like his tap dance number with um, 
uh, Miss Turnstiles the first time when he finally meets her and they actually get to know each other. It's just beautiful. Yeah, it really is. So it, this was on my short list. Okay. I actually bumped it off to get White Heat on just okay. because I was like, I think Dave's going to talk about it on the town. And I know, I know he hasn't seen White Heat. I just that's... about forgot on the town because I forgot to rate it as soon as I'd finished watching it. Oh. And so I was talking, like, I was just like, wait, wait, whoa, oh God. And so, like, I had to, I had to bump <laughs> something else. So I had to bump a Gregory Peck movie, oddly enough. Oh, man. Yeah. Anyway, that's what happens. So, yeah. On the town. Yeah. If you've seen The Simpsons where Barton Milhouse go on... Go crazy Broadway style? Yeah. The song that they sing is 100% based on, on On the Town. It's like watching r- movie musicals from the 40s and 50s gives you a whole bunch of references right? to The Simpsons and Family Guy and South Park and so American Dad. How does that happen? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's actually a really fun song, too. And both versions. That's the the fun thing. Yeah. Where, like, Shapoopy and Family Guy is fine. Sure. But the one in the Music Man is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Springfield, Springfield, it's a hell of a town in New York, New York, it's a hell of a town. Wonderful town. Wonderful town? Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know what they wanted to say, but it's the 40s. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're both great. They're both great. They have so much fun. They come running out and it's just like, yeah, it's it's so good. It made yeah. me so, I was singing along with it even though I don't know the lyrics because I was just like, well. You kind of do. I kind of do. Yeah. Yeah. Something's up and the battery's down. The... People ride in a hole in the ground, New York, New York. I'm like, that's brilliant songwriting. Yeah. Go on the town. We're going to be able to redo our top ten movie musicals. Oh, yeah. We're definitely going to be able to. Within the next year, I would say, because I'm watching so many more. It will be much more interesting. Did I have Singing in the Rain on mine? I don't think so. I don't don't even know if you'd seen that one yet. No, because we did, the last time we had done movie musicals, I was still recording here, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I didn't see um, Music Man or um, Singing in the Rain until I moved down to Lethbridge. Or Seven Brides for Seven Seven Brothers. Or Seven Brothers, which would also definitely be on my list. Maybe an honorable mention. Yeah. Just yeah. Cuz, but yeah. Totally. Well, if that's the case, I will keep sending them to you. Great. I have been doing my best efforts to be like, this one doesn't hold up. This one, Dave yeah. does not need to see Hello, Dolly. It's two and a half hours of Streisand. You don't yeah, need that don't, in your life. I don't really need to worry about that. But there are some that I would definitely, I am coming around on movie musicals for sure. Great. Well, I guess we'll get into the regular list then. Perfect. My number 10 is higher on Dave's list. <laughs> My number 10 is higher on Sean's list. Right now. <laughs> my number nine is the Philadelphia story. It's so good. It's really good. I am not the biggest Catherine Hepburn fan. That's fair. Typically. But this was one of the first movies where I'm like, okay, I get it. Mm-hmm. There's one that I actually just sent you to record, which okay. will be in our 30s list, which was the first time I've ever been like, wow, I love Catherine Hepburn in this. Really? And I'm very impressed by that. But okay. this was the first one that started kind of turning me around on Interesting. On and she was good. Yeah. but She's playing that character that, as a caricature of Catherine Hepburn, mm-hmm. this is where it starts coming from. And then the later, like, the, the Spencer Tracy, Catherine Hepburn ones right. really kind of reinforce it. But this is that kind of waspy, rich woman who you 
are kind of annoyed by and you don't see what it is, but then there's these flashes where it's like, oh, she's actually kind of wonderful. Yeah, okay. yeah, and that you see that humanity come out of her as the as the story goes on, and it's really quite lovely. It's she's an excellent actress. She really is. But yeah, was yes, yeah, yeah recently. One of my favorite things to do, and this is kind of morbid, but it's. As I'm going through, like, as I'm watching movies from the 40s, I'm like, I wonder how many of these actors are still alive. And not many. No. There's the odd, like, Angela Lansbury is still alive. But sure. the odd, there's the odd person. But for the most part, even um, the the girl, like, the, the 12-year-old, like, her her younger sister has passed away. Yep. And, I mean, she was, yeah, like, 15 or something, even younger than that when they made the Philadelphia story. But she died at, like, 40 years old or something like that. Yeah. So it just, it happens. But... Catherine Hepburn was good in this movie, but she was overshadowed by Jimmy Stewart and Cary Grant. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And which is going to happen. Like, both those guys are... Great. Great. And I know I've got um, on my PBR, and it's too late because it's from the 60s. Um, what's the Cary Grant movie where he's running from the plane? North by Northwest. North by Northwest. 50s. 50s? Okay, I couldn't yeah. remember if it was early 60s or late 50s, or in the 50s, but... Um, I have that on there, but I think this was the first Cary Grant movie I've ever seen. And I was just like, oh man, I know, I know. <laughs> you keep looking at me like this is a shock, but is it really a shock? Cagney, I get. Because Cagney's 30s, 40s, a lot of musicals, a lot of gangster pictures. That's yeah. hard. Cary Grant? I know. Well. I don't know, man. Just I'm, I'm offering you my truth here, so... <laughs> Although, as you haven't seen North by Northwest, that would be one of the first ones that I'd be like, oh man, yeah. if you've seen any of them, it'd be North by Northwest. And I think I think I started watching it, but it was one of those days where I had to run off, so I like I need to start it from the beginning, so I don't count that in my list because I haven't seen it beginning to end. That's fair. It might have been like The Bridge on the River Kwai, and I think it actually, my this is when I still had Shaw, and I think it froze as it was recording it. Ugh. And so it was like halfway through, it was like, well... I'm just, I have to fast forward 20 minutes in order to get it to catch up. So Why is I, he in a field? Right, exactly. <laughs> this so doesn't I, make sense. I've yeah. missed 20 minutes of that. So I couldn't, so yeah, that that would be why. That's fair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Cary Grant was great. Jimmy Stewart is so good. I mean, he's just so surly in it. <laughs> he really is. Yeah. You never get to see, Jimmy Stewart's a great actor, mm-hmm. even though he does generally play one of essentially three characters yeah but they're all great yeah they really are and like as the, the the reporter and then he comes in and then like gets to know her and they have this moment together and the night of the party is oh. just it's so good and like the the after party and everything like that and the timeline chronologically it's weird because it's like aren't they getting married tomorrow oh yeah no, okay they're definitely okay it's yeah. four in the morning they're just having a really late night yeah. Apparently parties in the 40s the night before. Le- like, I've gone to some pretty great pre-wedding parties, but, like, usually I remember the day before my sister's wedding, I got yelled at by my mom because it was 2 in the morning and we were still still awake. And she came in and she's like, go to bed! It's like, fine. But like they just they just keep going and going. You don't go to bed? Yeah. You're and still drunk when you get married. That's 100% what happened. Speaking of drunk, yeah. and I've said this before and I will say it every time. Yeah. Jimmy Stewart drunk, like acting drunk, is a masterclass. It's incredible. It should be shown to actors, especially stage actors who have no idea how to do it or mm-hmm. need to play drunk. Yeah, to at least give them a basis because it's yeah, it's it's remarkable. He yeah. just does such a tremendous job of I don't know because he's slurring and he's 
wobbly, but he just doesn't. It's not a caricature, and it's, it's not over the top. Yeah, and no, I think exactly. that's the problem a lot of people have when they're playing drunk. Is it's just like it's over the top, and it's just like no, he's he's subdued in it. Yeah, it's not too big. No, no, it's it's very good. So that was your number nine, and your number and 10. my number ten. So we have to do my number nine. Yes, great. It's higher on Sean's list. Dang it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> My number eight is to have and have not. Oh, okay. It is a Bogart Bacall movie. Excellent. Does that not mean anything to no, you? No, I know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. You gave me the look I Sorry. kept giving you, and I'm yeah. like, but... No, I, 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 it was just like, oh yeah, no, I need to respond to that. Yes, Bogart <laughs> and, and Bacall. Okay. So essentially, this is probably one of the best known ones. Okay. I think it's during World War II, an expat played by, obviously, Humphrey Bogart helps a French resistance leader and his wife to Martinique while romancing a lounge singer. This this seems very familiar. It should, because a lot of Bogart movies and a lot of Bogart Bacall movies are pretty much that story. Hmm. I feel like... Spoiler alert, we might get to another one like that. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Okay. So it's it's just it's Bogart and Bacall doing what they do best. Yeah. Essentially. It's film noir, it's sexy, it's exciting, it's an adventure, it's funny, cool. it's romantic. Like yeah, it's just this is probably Yeah, I'd say this is probably my favorite of okay. theirs together. Interesting. Alright, we'll have to keep an eye out for that one. What's that one called? Sorry? To have and have not. To have and have not. Hmm. Interesting. I can't remember if this is their first one or not. It might have actually been. Because this might be the one where she's like 19. Wow. Oh, yeah. And he's like 50? Uh, 40s. Yeah. I think I saw he was born in 1899 or something like that. It's hard to wrap your head around that when you're watching movies and it's like some of these guys were born in the... 1800s. Christmas Day, 1899. That's when Bogey was born? Yeah. Nice. I forgot about that, but I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw that he was 1899. So, yeah. She's 19, so that would have put her... 1924. Jesus. (laughs) And somehow it works. Yeah, it does. It really does. Cool. This one, it's... This one's pretty great. Okay. So... I don't want to say too much because there is... I don't want to give out lines and things because it's... There's a surprise factor to this one. Oh, cool. Where it's just like, oh, I actually know. I get that reference. Yeah. Oh, really? So it'll be. Yeah. I really like this one. Nice. But anyway, to have and have not, that's my number eight. Great. My number eight is Heiner on Sean's list. (coughs) You remember I'm sick, right? So I shouldn't be talking this much. At a certain point, we'll get to mine. And And then I won't talk at all. Exactly. I think the next seven of mine (sighs) are not higher on your list, so... Good. Yeah. My number seven. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm doing right now, right? Yeah. Great. Yeah. <sighs> it's Broadway Melody of 1940. What? I'm so surprised that a Broadway Melody is on your list. Yeah. When we do the 30s, prepare yourself for a seven. <laughs> my 30s list is going to be music. Like, it'll be my top ten mu- movie musicals, essentially. Fair. It's awesome. It's about a tap dancing duo, Johnny Brett and King Shaw. They're essentially an unsuccessful dance team who are working in this junk little club. And then one of them gets discovered. And then through mistaken identity, 
the not as good dancer is sucked into Broadway, but he needs his partner's help to sure. get through everything. Okay. Uh, his partner being Fred Astaire. Nice. Uh, and the Broadway star that he's dancing with is Eleanor Powell. So as far as I'm concerned, two of the best three dancers ever. Fair. Together. Yeah. Dancing. Uh, has, have Fred Astaire and Eleanor Powell done other things together? No, this was first. Really? Yeah. Okay. This was their team up. And it was like, oh, oh. And, but you've talked about her before. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Musicals, like, dancing. That's kind of yeah. what I figured. So, I, I, like... She is, as far as I'm concerned, the best of all time. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I prefer her style to Gene Kelly's okay. and Fred Astaire's. They're both very good, but the precision, because she came from ballet mm-hmm. and then did modern jazz and tap. Oh, so she's so got her, the ballet training. Her precision right. is amazing. Cool. Okay. And where would you put, I mean, this is a whole other sidebar, but where would you put Ginger Rogers? Ooh. Because she and Fred did a lot together, right? Yeah. Yeah. F- three or four? Four or oh. five? Somewhere in so there? So she's, she's up still there, top too. five, okay. yeah. Because okay. I, I just remember the quote that I heard from Ginger Rogers saying, I could do everything that Fred Astaire did, only backwards and in heels. Oh, that pissed him off so much. <laughs> <laughs> Which doesn't surprise me, but it's a great line. Oh, it is a great line. And she's a very good dancer. Yeah. Okay, But she's not Eleanor Powell. Okay, interesting. And so that was Broadway Melody of the 1940s. Are those on TCM? Oh, yeah. Okay. Broadway Melody of 1940. Right, sorry, yes. Because there's also 38 and 36. Yeah. Because I would like to see those once, now that I'm starting to get into musicals. Yeah. And maybe I should actually check that one out. Uh, Okay. Quick recommendation, and because I'll be the one sending them anyway, it won't be that big a deal. But for people listening as well, 36 and 40. Are the better ones, right? Yeah. Yeah, because I know that you said... 38's fine. It's just 36 and 40 are the better ones. And the problem is, is we were supposed to get 42, and 42 is going to be Eleanor Powell and Gene Kelly. But that got canceled because of the war. Sure. Okay. And that's a shame. Yeah, that would be amazing. (laughs) Yeah, because I think when we did music, uh, movie musicals... 38 and 40 were both on that list. 36 and 38. That's right, that's what I meant. I hadn't seen 40 yet. Oh, 40 is recent. Interesting. Yeah. But there's some... Whatever. Anyway, there's there's a lot of them, right? Like, or is it just the three? Broadway Melodies? There's four. Okay. Uh, One of them won Best Picture in 1929. Oh. That's the worst one. Oh. By a considerable margin. Okay. It does not age well. Interesting. And it does not have Eleanor Powell in it. Fair. Or Fred Astaire. Right, No. Well, there you go. All right. So Broadway Melody in 1940. Yes. Great. Well, when it's on, tell me, and I will record it. You know what's going to happen is all of them will be on. They'll do a musicals day, and I will just, you'll get a text message, and it'll be 12 movies. It'll be like 42nd Street, Broadway Melody 36, 38, Gold Diggers of night. You might have been thinking Gold Diggers of 19. That could be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I need you to get Gold Diggers of 36, 38, and 40, Broadway Melody of 36 and 40. <laughs> Could, could very well happen. Uh, brought, the Gold Diggers has Ginger Rogers in it. Oh, okay. That could be where I'm getting all my wires crossed here because it's... Yeah, it could be because they all did a bunch of stuff. And then Dick Powell's in almost everything. Sure. All right. Hey, you sound like you need a break. I'd love one, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> my number seven is Mrs. Miniver. God damn it. I have to talk about this, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to talk about everyone at some point. But... I know. 
I wasn't sure what to expect with this movie. Fair. Um, I've seen it. I saw it recently. I, don't, I think I saw it since the summer because I think I'd seen Dunkirk before I'd seen this one. You had? Okay. Specifically because I had originally recorded Mrs. Miniver and I got uh, one of those Shaw deals mm-hmm. where I missed the first half. So I didn't see Mrs. Miniver until early summer, late spring. This year? Yes. Okay. So, so then I would have, the next time I saw it on, sent it your way. Right. So okay. yeah. So yeah, it's uh, it's a heavy movie. So, but it's not. Like, it, it is, but it yes. isn't. Yeah. Which is, so basically it was filmed during the war. Yeah. I think, because it's, I think it's like 43 or something. 42. Like 42. Yeah. So basically this... It's propaganda. Yeah. That's why that the speech at the end from the priest, that's yeah. why it's in there. That was played on radios across yeah. the country. And I think we had talked about that. It's, we did. It's a great speech. And basically yeah. it's a way to rally the troops. Yep. And so essentially it's it's a, a fairly well-to-do family. It's about yep. a fairly well-to-do family. And like the son goes off to... British, by the way. Yes, British. Yes, yes. Thank you. That's key because if it was a fairly well-to-do American family, it doesn't have the same... No, it's a fairly well-to-do British family. Family. Yep, and I, I I don't think they don't live right in London. I don't think, but they're not like kind of on the outskirts or in a small town in the UK. Yeah, it doesn't really matter where they're from. But basically, you see different parts of how the war is affecting different people and how life kind of goes on with the community, despite the fact that there's a war going on across the way. They talk about how they can hear the the guns from across the English Channel, and at one point they do have the the like part of the film you don't actually see them evacuate the troops from dunkirk but the the patriarch of the family takes his boat across the english channel to go help with the rescue in dunkirk yeah and um it's about like their son joins the air force and they don't want him to join the air force but he does because he feels the need to do that and he ends up marrying another girl in the in the town who's not her grandmother is kind of looking after her and is not necessarily the most welcoming of people and like it's just it's very interesting to see how these different lives play out yeah and how the war affects the town and like then you get the blitzes and just the air raids and everything like that and things happen and i don't want to get too much into it but something happens and it's really sad and it's unexpected and really disappointing so that's fair yeah yeah but it's a very good film yeah, Walter Pidgeon, who plays the patriarch, Canadian, mm. which is kind of lovely. I didn't know that. Uh, awkwardly, Greer Garson, who plays Mrs. Miniver, after the film, married the guy who played her son in the movie, Richard Ney, the guy who played really? Vin. Yeah, Greer Garson and Vin got married. That's why there's that weird chemistry there where it's like, that's strange. Huh. And that's also why he's not in the sequel, because they got divorced. <laughs> oh, there's a sequel? Oh, yeah, don't. You don't need to see it. Oh, okay. It's not Is it good. literally called Mrs. Miniver 2? No, it's like the Miniver story or something oh, like that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Huh. And also there's a, a flower rose competition. Yep. Which is kind of kooky, but it's, again, it's how the life outside or in this village still functions with the the war still going on. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you know what? There's a war across like 50 kilometers from here, but I don't know how big the English Channel is, but... 40-something? Yeah. But we're still going to do this. We're still going to have this rose competition. And it's just, it's really charming. It's a very, very good movie. So that's my number seven. Cool. I guess I get to talk again. Yeah. 
I did some talking there. Yep. My number six is Foreign Correspondent. All right. From 1940. Again, oh, okay. 1940 makes a lot of appearances on my list. Fair. We should just preface that, or we should just take this time to say, the 40s are a really good decade for film. Oh, yeah. As I was going through this, like I had a really hard time putting Philadelphia Story and Mrs. Miniver that high because the the list is so good. Yep. But something had to be in the 10th spot. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, so foreign, the foreign correspondent. No, the. Just foreign correspondent. Foreign correspondent. Okay. It takes place right before World War II. All right. It is about a young American reporter trying to expose spies in London. Like what kind of like German spies or just enemy agents. spies in general? Enemies to okay. London and America. So sure. Germans. Okay. Who's in it? Anybody I know? Joel McRae. Mm, maybe. Uh, you would know him because he was a big Western guy. Oh, okay. Uh, he's also Sullivan in a movie that we might talk about later. Gotcha. Okay. Fair. <laughs> so you'll know who that is. Yeah. It's a Hitchcock movie. Oh, interesting. An English Hitchcock movie. This is before he left, obviously, because okay. I think he left after Laura, which is 44 or something like that, or Rebecca. Okay. I don't know, one of those single women name <laughs> movies that he made. Interesting. Uh, that's all it is. So it's a Hitchcock like action thriller set before the war. Okay, cool. And during the war. Man, he was good in the 40s. Oh, yeah, he really was. I... I, I, I'm sure I knew because, like, just the way he talked, like, good evening, this is the... Like, he had a very British way about him, but I don't think I actually registered the fact that he was British. Oh, yeah. And then I was watching another one that's further on my list, <laughs> and I was just like, oh, they're both... Oh, what? And then I was like, oh, yeah, he actually was British. Of course he was. Yep. Sure. That makes sense. Anyway, the guy does, yeah, suspense very well, and so... Foreign correspondent, hey? Yeah. Okay. So it's like an espionage kind of newspaper man thriller. Cool. Around the war. Great. Again, I don't want to say too much because it's a hitch movie. You don't yeah, want to be like, totally. and actually, this guy's the agent. Yeah. Because, no. No, and that's fair. Like, that's that's the beauty about this list is like, we, we theoretically, we will be faster because it's like, we can't talk about a lot of this because it's... We want you guys to watch them. Yeah, because they're all really good movies. Yes. Like? Citizen Kane. Yeah. Yeah. I was... I liked it. I And I mean, I've only seen 14 movies from the 40s, so I had to put it somewhere. But... Technically, no, because we only talk about 12. I know. But, I mean, I liked it better than Fantasia. <laughs> yeah. And I guess I could have put it 12 o'clock high instead. Anyway, I didn't dislike Citizen Kane. I just don't think it's as good as it's cracked up to be. It's fine. Yeah. I. That's what I felt about it the first time I saw it and every other time I've watched it, being like, maybe I'm missing something. I'm not. It's fine. I'm happy to have seen it, and I understand why people like it so much. From a filmic standpoint, like from a film theory standpoint, sure. yeah. I understand Like Orson Welles did a lot here that was not necessarily the most... like. It's not a linear story and like... Broke a lot of new ground. Exactly. Uh, so I, Some of the shots are amazing. Yeah. So I can yeah. appreciate it, but at the same time, it's like, it's just a story about a man who was a millionaire who... What well, the story of William Randolph Hearst. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Little, like, yeah. that... It's a thinly veiled... What would you call that? It's not really satire. 
I yeah, like a thinly veiled, like homage, but not necessarily an homage. Like, but it's not positive. No, so. no, it's just telling the story without like under the guise of it being somebody else. But everybody knows is like, well, no, we know who this is about. Yeah. So yeah, like Kane is. It it he's like you you see this life of a spoiled rich person and just kind of what that leads to and the yep. the advantages that he can have because of that and it's just like well yeah it's it's okay yeah I didn't love it I didn't hate it I'm just I'm, surprised you put it ahead of so many other things I know with the way you're talking about it <laughs> yeah I feel like I probably could have put it higher lower but there it mm. is there's my number six Citizen Kane yeah fair enough. All right, we're going to keep moving, again, because I don't want this to last forever. <laughs> as fun as it is, yeah. and I love talking movies, but coughing and junk. So our second half is brought to you by Wasps. Now, Dave, yes, Wasps have gotten a really bad rap lately. And rightfully so. But they want us to share some Wasp-positive stories here. Oh, okay. I will start. Mm-hmm. Um, their bright colors make them very easy to see. That's true. Now you go. Um, their wings are very loud, and you can hear them flying around you. That's that's true. That's a nice thing because you always see them there. Yeah. Uh, I'll I'll do one more. Oh, okay. They are they make very neat nests. They do. Their nests are very cool. See? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Wasps aren't that bad. So the next time you see a wasp, make sure you say hello. Wasps. Nature's tasers. Paid for by wasps will sting you if you don't read this 2018. And we're back. Sorry about that little pause there. I forgot that this is my job. We're going to hand it back over to Sean. My number five was your number eight. Yeah. And that is How Green Was My Valley. What a charming little movie. Which also stars Walter Pidgeon, who is also a Mrs. Miniver. How about still Canadian. And still Canadian. (laughs) So, so far in our list, a Canadian has played an Englishman and now a Welshman. Welshman, yeah. I mean, it's (laughs) your, technically it's your number five. So do you want to start it? I I can. It's about a like a turn of the century Welsh mining village, mm-hmm. uh, and a family there who are hoping that their kids can have a better life. Yeah, it is one of the most beautifully lit movies I've ever seen, ever. That's the cool thing about black and white is it has to be lit well. Yeah, it does. And you pay attention more when there are shadows because it's black and white. It's not saturated with color. It's literally just black or it's like it's the gray of the of the light or the black of the of the shadow and just it is that was one of the things that you told me when you first got me to watch this movie was it's lit beautifully and so i paid attention to that and it is it is gorgeous it's a sweet like social family like social change and family change at the turn of the century in wales and Mm -hmm. unionization and how they deal with that and the lack of work and seniority gets privilege and and there's strikes and scabs and it's just it's a really interesting look at that sort of life and a story that probably wouldn't be made now because it's very slow 
Yes. It's, a, it's a slow burn story. It like really you have to is. just kind of invest in the family. Yeah. So, but it won Best Picture. Sure did. Beating some pretty good movies, I think. Yeah, like Citizen Kane. Yeah, that they were <laughs> they were competing, right? Pretty sure. Yeah, and so you think about this movie like Citizen Kane, where people call it the best movie of all time, and it didn't even win the Best Picture. And How Green Was My Valley because it's a great story and it's well lit. It's it's like the last couple years because La La Land did not win Best Picture, right? Moonlight. Moonlight won. Yeah. But Moonlight didn't win a lot of other things. No. But as an entirety, like it was great. It was well performed and well lit and like everything was so good but not like the best of anything but very great in all of the things that it came together to make an extraordinary film yeah spotlight beating the revenant exactly that sort of stuff yeah yeah and so it feel to me that's what this feels like is it's a good good film it's a good story it's very well lit it's good wonderfully acted yeah wonderfully acted exactly and so coming together it's like it may not be revolutionary but it's an incredible film yeah yeah, I really liked it. I've seen this was probably on my list. This was the one that I've seen the longest from from right now. Okay, because I saw that like you had seen it and then said you need to check this movie. It's coming out. It's a it's a best picture winner. Yeah. So I PVR'd it. I've I saw it a year ago, a year and a half ago. Like it's been a long time since I've seen this movie. It's been a while for me too. Yeah, but it is great. Mm-hmm. Very very charming. Uh, my number five is All Through the Night. Woo! It's Humphrey Bogart, where he isn't an expat. No, he's still there. Yeah, he's still in New York. Uh, It's... I wasn't sure what to expect with this. Like, Sean kind of... I don't even think you told me much about it. It was just like, I got a quick little blurb on my PVR. It's like, oh yeah, he's it's Humphrey Bogart and he's trying to talk, track down Nazis, essentially. And I was just like... I believe I sold it to you as Gangsters versus Nazis starring Bogart. Probably. That sounds about right. And so I was like, okay, I'll try this. And it is basically that. Yeah. Like, he plays a promoter. That's what he is. Is not, yeah. not necessarily a quote-unquote gangster, but he's basically a gangster. Pretty much. Like, a lot of things are rigged his direction, and he's he's doing pretty well for himself. And everybody yeah. knows, like, the the baker, like, at the, the restaurant that you see him in in the morning, um, he goes and he has cheesecake from this restaurant three times a, a day. But it has to be from I can't remember the baker's the baker's name. Oh, I, it's been a long yeah. time since I saw this movie. And they try to pull one over because the baker wasn't there early enough, so they gave him a different type of cheesecake. And he knows, like, I'm sorry, we're sorry, gloves, we're sorry, we're sorry. <laughs> like that's how much clout he has in this in this world. And so things happen, and I'm I I don't think it's spoiling anything because it's kind of how things get set off. His baker friend is murdered. Yep, fairly early on, like ten minutes into the movie. And so he basically spends the rest of the film trying to figure out who murdered his baker friend, and it turns out it's Nazis, and then he basically goes and stops a Nazi uprising in New York. Yeah. It's really fun. Like, the twists are really cool, and, and like, where they end up, and, like, there's some really funny moments, and just, like, when I was texting Sean about it, it's like, it is way funnier than I was expecting it to be. Oh, yeah. A very underrated and underseen Bogart film and yeah. film from the 40s. I've got a, a friend who loves classic movies and I was texting her about some of these different movies that I was watching and I said All Through the Night and she's like, I've never heard of that. And I said, it's Humphrey Bogart. And she's like, oh my God, I haven't even heard of it. And I said, yeah. yeah, it's really good. You should check it out. The reason I saw it was I was pulling an all-nighter for uh, one of our classes. 
like a history class sure. or something like that. And so I just stuck it on TCM for while I was working. And it came on at like 2.30 in the morning. Okay. Just at random. And I kind of half watched the first 10 minutes and then I put all my stuff down and just watched <laughs> the rest of it because it was so good. Yeah, it was. And that was kind of it. Like there's some movies where I'll sit and I'll have my phone and I'll be texting you. and But like the only reason I texted you was to try and I've started texting random things about movies I'm watching to Sean to see if he can guess what the movies are. Yeah. And like that was the only – sometimes I'll play games <sighs> as I'm like watching the movie. But this one I was like I, I can't stop watching it. It's yeah. too good. And I think at one point I picked up my phone to do something like, what was that? And I had to rewind. I'm like, no, put your damn phone down, Smith. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it. a really fun movie. I really enjoyed it. Cool. All through the night. Great. And Jackie Gleason's in it. He Very, sure is. Like, small part, but... Well, still, like, he's yeah. there. Yeah. My number four... Yeah. Oh, I don't even have to check. This isn't on your list. <laughs> uh, it's Yankee Doodle Dandy. Okay. It's the story of George M. Cohan, the Broadway man. Mm-hmm. Starring James Cagney. Oh, see, I did know that, because we've talked about this one before, too. Oh, yeah, we and have. And so that's why I was like, I was surprised when he said James Cagney did musicals. I'm like, I think I knew that, and I think we talked about this. I forgot it was for Yankee Doodle Dandy. Yeah, okay. it was. Everybody knows Cohan songs, like, Over There. Okay. Over There is his. I'm a Yankee Doodle Dandy is his. Right. Most of the World War One American songs are his okay he wrote them for musicals and he was very patriotic he did war bond stuff okay uh he was too old for the war effort he tried to sign up so then what he did was like uso shows and gotcha war bonds so he helped where he could yeah he can't fight so he will do other things to show his his support exactly okay so you have to be able to go into it and accept the fact that this is going to be patriotism like 40s patriotism sure. 101 like it is and okay. it's it's a hundred percent that but that's also because it's the life story of a man who won a congressional medal of honor for writing music for the troops fair so it's just kind of like yeah okay but it's great obviously as it's my number four but. well and i don't i mean maybe it's because we're so far past the 40s that i don't mind that patriotism is like the flag waving that happened after 9-11, like, there were some very obvious, like, we need to be patriotic and, like, show how much we love America. I get it, but at the same time, like, I just felt like it was almost too much, and it, that might have been the case in the 40s, but because we're so far removed, it's not as obvious to me. This is, like, flag waving and, like, we're all happy about yeah. being this and okay. that sort of stuff. It's so... So it is very much patriotic and, like, rah, rah, but, rah, but America, 40s. America, but 40s. Yeah. So, yeah, like... I mean, where it's like, we're still a new country. We're the greatest country in the world. And we're going to win this war by beating the Nazis. Right. It's that kind of patriotism. It's snacky s'mores. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So I can't really explain it better than that. Yeah. That's literally what it is. And it's James Cagney. And he does the Cohan dance because George M. Cohan was famous for dancing. He didn't bend his knees. He was, he danced straight legged. So it was a lot of like. When you think Nutcracker Suite and stuff, mm-hmm. a lot of that is kind of Cohan-esque. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah, when, you'll see it. And apparently George M. Cohan, who was still alive when this came out, really, he wanted Cagney for him. Really? So it was like he handpicked him because he figured he could do it. Cool. And he can. So. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll definitely check that one out. Add that to my Cagney list. <laughs> if you want a Cagney list, I can get you a Cagney <laughs> list. 
I just figure as they start coming along, you'll just be like, here's a Cagney movie for you. Here's a Cagney movie for you. Probably. Cool. So remember how I said I hadn't seen any Cary Grant movies and that uh, the Philadelphia story was the first one? Yeah. Yeah. My second one was Suspicion, which is my number four. That's fair. Yeah. Also a Hitchcock movie. It sure is. It's awesome. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. It was... I. That's a suspense movie. Like, that totally. is 100% suspense, because you're never really sure. I had no idea. Like, So basically... Cary Grant plays, uh, like, he and the, his leading lady, I can't remember what, what her name is, but... And Suspicion? Yeah. Oh, I don't remember. I'll, I can look. Go yeah. ahead. So, they basically, they meet, and she ha- wants nothing to do with them, but very quickly, they ended up getting into kind of a torrid love affair and get married very, very soon. Yeah. Joan Fontaine. Okay, thank you. And so, then, again, this is fairly early in the movie, so I don't feel like I'm spoiling anything. You kind of learn that Cary Grant doesn't have a lot of money. Yeah, nah. And he, it almost sounds like he's married her because he thinks he's going to get money from her. And then as it turns out, yeah, he kind of doesn't. They kind of don't get a lot of money. And nope. so he has to find different ways to, to make money. And as a result, things start coming into question and coming into play. And you just don't know. Like, he keeps you on his toes. And you love this character, but you hate this character at the exact same time. Yeah. And that is what is so charming about this film. Yeah. And it's suspense, and it's Hitchcock done so well. And, like, it doesn't have, like, you know, it's not a film noir, and it doesn't have a lot of the shadows, and it's not like the birds where it's, like, you feel creeped out. It was just, like, I don't know what's happening, and I'm scared because I don't know what's happening. And just the way it's written and the way it's, like, he's got things laced in there, it's just, like, okay, I know what I know what you're thinking about this guy, but I don't know what this guy's thinking. And are we thinking, are we on the same page? Or are we, I don't know what's happening here. Yeah. It's a very, very well done film. I really enjoyed it. And this was one I was I wasn't too sure about. I was like, okay, it's oh it's Hitchcock, yeah, I'll probably oh I'll I'll give it a shot. It's Cary Grant, yeah, I'll give it a shot. I'm really happy that this is that I had seen it so it can be this high on my list. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, suspicion. Yeah, this is what I was talking about when I was like, because Cary Grant's British too, and I was just like Yep. Are, they, are all these people I just assumed were American actually British? Yeah, they were. Cool. A lot of them are also, like, Eastern European Jews who escaped and changed their names. Fair. A lot of them are. Interesting. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. There Cary are Grant. Americans, too. No, I'm... Okay. I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, we're not talking about Cary Grant here, are we? <laughs> yeah. Bulgarian. <laughs> Amazing. Somebody's going to look that up and be like, oh, you guys are wrong. He was actually born in Britain, you idiots. Yeah, Oh, no, when I looked at yeah, it, yeah. I was like, okay, Craig Grant <laughs> is actually Dutch. born in Britain. Yeah. But in the Philadelphia story, he's got an American accent. And so it's just like... Yeah. But he's still kind of got that British lilt. So I was like, maybe he was... Um, like, maybe he was born in, in, like, Connecticut, where there's kind of, like, they've got a more regal way of speaking than in other states. Like, I yeah. thought maybe it was something like that. I'm like, oh, no, he's... No, he's ...legitimately English. born in the UK. Cool. Number three. Mm. You are number nine. Oh, yeah, great movie. And one we may have I hinted about. at. Yeah. Well, I feel like some people would get, when I say he Joel McRae already played Sullivan Yeah. in a movie we'll talk about later. Yeah. Some are going to understand that I'm talking about Sullivan's Travels, but many if probably don't. If they've seen it. That's the, that's the that's thing. That's the like, key. You hear Sullivan, it's like, okay, well, it's either Sullivan's Travels or some, like, that's probably the one. Yeah. But it, I never heard of it until you told me about it. So if you yeah. guys are listening and are like me... If you're more on the Dave side than the Sean side, like, I feel like there's, our listeners are, they've watched as few movies as I have, 
and they listen to the podcast and be like, tell me all the movies. Or they're like you and it's just like, oh yeah, I know every one of these movies that Sean's talking about. I feel like there's also a middle ground where there were people who are like me till we got till the 60s. Sure. And now they're just like, I have no idea what's yeah. going on. But the the real film buffs would have known oh, yeah. Sullivan's Travels. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And understandably so. Like, even, I can't remember what, I was watching one of these other ones on TCM, and they were, they always had the interview and the preface and everything. Yeah. And they talked about Sullivan's Travels. Yeah. And I was just like, I know what they're talking about. <laughs> it was so exciting. Dave high fives himself. Yeah, exactly. Just about texted Sean. It might have been for the, for my number two, but anyway. It, it could have been. It doesn't really matter, but mm-hmm. it's. It's about a director. Joel McRae plays a director who makes escapist like comedy films, yeah. but wants to change. He, he wants, wants to, to make it more seriously. So he wants to make a film of consequence. Mm-hmm. So he somehow convinces the studio to let him be a hobo. Yeah. And um, live as a hobo uh, in order to experience to learn... what a hobo's life is. So that way he can make a film about it. Yeah. And so... That's what the film's about. A rich Hollywood director in the 30s, because it's the Depression. Yeah. yeah. Movies from 41, but it's set in the 30s. Yeah. Where he's, but he at the same time is still the director, because mm-hmm. he meets Veronica Lake, who's gorgeous. Yeah. And just, he's like, you could be a star. He's like, I can't be a star. Nobody <laughs> ever thinks that. And he's just as a hobo. He's like, dang it. <laughs> And so she ends up fairly early finding out about this, right? And fairly early yeah. figuring that out. But they, so you get this sense of the 30s. Yeah. And you get a different side of the Depression, which for 1941, you didn't see a lot of this side of the Depression. No. And then, I don't want to give the ending away, but essentially his journey ends. Yeah. It's, uh, and that ending, like, I did not see that, because I am so used to standard Hollywood endings where it's just like everything is happy and you just know it's going to be happy and I'm not I'm not saying that this isn't but like there was something that happened that was just like I wasn't expecting this to happen in this movie yeah and that's what I really love about movies from the 40s is that it is it is atypical to what we now consider Hollywood endings some of them because it's just like some uh, some 40s movies I will send you and you will know the ending 10 minutes in sure and which, that's fine. Which it's is gonna fine. happen. And, I mean, there's a reason happen. why they're called Hollywood endings, but I'm just such a fan of things that are not necessarily wrapped up in a tight little package yeah. immediately, right? And so this one could have ended differently way sooner. And it's just like, I I didn't know that that was going to happen, and I'm really glad that that was the decision and the journey that they took. Yeah, it's a Preston cool. Sturges film. That's the dire- writer-director. Oh, okay. And he does, he's good at that. Right. Especially. So I guess that's something for the Daves in the audience, including the Dave. Yeah. Keep an eye out for Preston Sturges. Okay. Because he does stuff like that where he makes these unlikely kind of twist things. Cool. And yeah, it's still going to be 40s. You're still going to get the same sort of things. Did he do that one? No. Oh, okay. Great. <laughs> I'm glad we had that little <laughs> sidebar while we were recording. <laughs> Cool. So that was your number three? That's my number three, your number Sullivan's nine, Travels. Sullivan's Travels. And it has nothing to do with Gulliver's Travels, which... Which everyone thinks when you say yeah. it. They're like, oh, it's just a take on Gulliver's Travels. It's like, no, no. Not even no, at all. Because I thought the same close. thing. And then I started watching, it's like, this is nowhere close to that. No. It's way better. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. My number three, it had to be on here somewhere, is Casablanca. Yeah, fair. 
a Humphrey Bogart movie where he's an expat and is trying to help somebody during the war effort. Yep. Weird. <laughs> that sounds so familiar. Yeah. But instead of Lauren Bacall, it's Ingrid Bergman. Yep. And, I mean, if you even if you haven't seen this movie, you know this movie. You've heard quotes, you've... Lauren Bacall would have been, uh, 16? Yeah, because it's pretty early in the... 40. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, she would have been pretty young. That would have been weird in that role. <laughs> yeah. And Ingrid Bergman was amazing. Oh, it. she's so good. Yeah. She's great in everything. I've never seen her in something that I'm not like, wow. Right. You're great. Well, and yeah, so I tried watching this movie when I was probably 16 and just couldn't get into it because it was a little slow at first. Oh, and it's slow. Like, it, it's a slow burn kind of the entire way until right at the end. Yeah. But when she like parachutes down out of the, the plane yeah. and like kills Hitler, who's coming out of the piano. Exactly. And then they, they end up together. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Whew. Got her Simpsons reference in. <laughs> but so I, I tried watching it because I knew it was a classic. I was just like, ah, I don't. I'll give you 20 bucks to bury that wherever you found it. <laughs> Sweet. We're making money. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, okay. Casablanca. Yeah. So I, I, I watched it. I was like, I don't, I don't, it's slow. I don't care. So yeah. I turned it off, and it took me a long time to see it again, but it is so worth the effort. It is. It's a surprisingly sweet film. It is. You, it's bittersweet, I yes. guess is probably more appropriate. Yeah, but and it's... again, like, if you haven't seen it, you probably know the ending, or at least the gist of the ending. Oh, yeah. Because I knew what the end was, like, I knew the last line is they're walking on the tarmac, and like, I... I, I love you, let's get married. Exactly, yep. yeah. Didn't that movie used to have a war in it? <laughs> All right, that's enough out of you. <laughs> oh, no, we warned you. Yeah, we warned. You've been warned. You've been warned. Yeah. So, cause that, is that that one? Because there's also, Rhett, where will you go? What will I do? <laughs> Frankly, my dear, let's get married. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. Yeah, so that's, that's 30s. Yeah. We'll worry about that in right? the 30s. But, so, anyway, I'm getting all distracted. But it's one of those ones, it's, it, there's pop culture references and- Tons. Like, yeah, Play It Again, Sam, is the one that people think play. they say in that movie, but they never actually say that that in that line. Nope. Which is weird, because everybody's like, oh yeah, Play It Again, Sam, it's from Casablanca. It's like, no, it actually isn't. Nope, it's not. Yeah. Just like Luke, I'm Your Father, never actually happens. No, exactly. So it's one of those alternate universe things where, where you think it happens. But like, here's looking at you, kid. Yeah. That comes from that one. Yes, it does. And so it's just... There's a lot of – it has an incredible influence in pop culture. So I yeah. knew a lot about the movie having never seen it in its entirety. Yep. But it's it's beautiful. It's charming. It's bittersweet. Yep. It's happy. It's sad all at the end. And like – It has a nice amount of intrigue in it as well. Absolutely. Not – like if you enjoy Casablanca, you're, I think you're going to like to have and have not okay. a lot. Okay. Because uh, it's faster. Great. And it's – you know me – Audiences, our listening audience doesn't know me, obviously, as well as Dave mm-hmm. does. But you know me that I am a, a stickler for pace. Yeah. I am somebody who is obsessive with pace, especially, like, in theater and as a director. Mm-hmm. Pace is my jam. Yeah. To Have and Have Not is borderline comedy pacing, but with a thriller. Cool. That's why I like it as okay. much as I do. And that's also why Casablanca does not make my list. Fair. Is because it's, while it's... I love it... It just, it's never clicked as well as the rest of these films have for me. Yeah, well, because so. it is slow. Oh, yeah. It's a slow burn, but it's a charming story, and I just, I really liked it. No, that's, yeah. I do not begrudge you that at all. Yeah. It is an excellent film. Mm-hmm. 
And obviously, like, I, I felt like it had to be represented somewhere in these lists because I think if we Fair. did a, a two, uh, if we did essentially 23, 24 movies. Yeah, crossovers and yeah, 20. Yeah, but like roughly, yeah. if we did an entire list of alternate where you and I didn't have any crossover, we would do 24 films. If Casablanca didn't make it at all, there'd be something wrong there. Yeah. I think. We'd be getting. You're like the. Not the pop culture, but you're kind of the pop culture wing of this, where it's like Citizen Kane, the greatest movie ever made according to AFI. Yeah. Casablanca, the movie everybody knows. Totally. Whereas My I'm... number one, also. So, like, yes, these movies that I feel need to be talked about, whereas you're telling other people, like, also they're the only movies I've seen from the 40s. But but again, I'm starting you with the best known ones. Yeah. And it, and it is exactly that. Yeah. Like, yes, do I want you to see my number two film, The Best Years of Our Lives? Nice segue. Thank you. Yeah, I definitely do. Because A, it's my number two film from the 40s. Mm -hmm. It's from 1946. It's three hours long. Okay. So brace yourself. But it's brilliant. Okay. It's a William Wyler movie, who you would know because he also made Ben-Hur. Oh, okay. Um, Thank you. (laughs) It is about, it's a World War II movie, but it's about... Three vets coming home to the small town and trying to reintegrate into society. Cool. Um, this sounds familiar. We've, I'm sure we've talked about it. I have talked about point. this before. I wrote an article for examiner.com about it. Okay. I have been all over getting people to watch this one because yeah. it is lesser known, but it is so good. Cool. I don't know that you would know. Do you know Frederick Marsh? Uh, I might know the name. The name should be familiar. Yeah. He was uh, in Inherit the Wind. He was the... Okay. Uh, the the biblical one. Okay, yeah, yeah. The biblical one. You knew what I meant. The biblical lawyer, like the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The yeah. the Bible thumping, yeah. like where he at the end he just starts listing. Yeah. Okay. Him. Oh, I have seen Inherit the Wind, haven't I? You have. Because I've seen the the theatrical version too, but I've yep. also seen the movie. Okay. Cool. Yep. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me go. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's them returning home. Um, one of the. Myrna Loy's in it, which is amazing from the Silent Star. Mm-hmm. But one of the actors, one of the three vets, they got an actual vet who had lost both of his hands. Oh, and the, like he got a special Oscar for his performance. Really? Because it's just it's him trying to like he is was engaged to the his sweetheart, the girl next door, literally the girl next door. And this, I don't know if this is what that's from. I don't think it is. There's mm-hmm. probably something earlier, but it is that exact kind of premise. Cool. But now he's like, I don't know if, why would anyone want me when right. I don't have hands? Yeah. One guy, he was a soda jerk. And then he had a, like, he was successful-ish in the war, as successful as you can. Sure. But like, he found a place there. But now he's back. So does he, is he a soda jerk right. again? And the three of them didn't necessarily know each other because they're all different ages. They didn't know each other before the war. They meet on the plane home. Really? And then they'll meet up and they'll go drinking together. Because they survived. And so... Yeah. Interesting. That sounds really good. It's great. I love that movie. It's... Another thing I like about the 40s is some of them were made during the war. So that way they are... They are propaganda like Mrs. Miniver, but there's also... Or the Yankee Doodle Dandy. Or Yankee, Yankee Doodle Dandy. But there's also there's also the aftermath of the war. And so this is this decade of film is shaped by what is happening in the world. Yep. 
And so yes, let's help our let's help the guys who are coming home, and let's shine a light on this and what it actually could be like. Yeah, and but they are very different stories, and they're very interesting. Cool. Um, it also won seven Oscars and would help your best picture listing because it did win. Maybe that's one of the reasons why I'm familiar with it. It could be when we do our how many of these have you seen, and I've seen eighty. <laughs> Oh yeah, because we do that. That's what that's our end lore at the end of every uh, Oscars, Oscars year. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting up there. You definitely are. I I'm mean, slowing down because there's only so many I haven't seen, <laughs> and they're hard to find. I feel like when those ones come on, you're gonna have to let me know so I can PVR them too. Because it's like, my God, Dave Cavalcade is on <laughs> PVR it. I don't know if it's good, but it won Best Picture. Exactly. And then I can have then I can say I have watched it. My sister watches a lot of movies too, and I'm trying to make sure that I've seen more best pictures than she has. So <laughs> that's a good reason, right? I mean, I know I'm not going to beat you, so well, eventually you could tie me. Yeah, eventually, but by seeing all of them, right? Exactly. But as long as I can can tell my sister, like, oh, you haven't seen the best years of our lives. Yeah, 1946. I was going to say how green was in my valley because I don't think she's seen that one yet either. But oh, there you go. Yeah. Or probably, uh, what was the other one that I have on here that I've seen? On? Uh, the one we're about to talk about? Oh, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Lost Weekend. Dave's number two. I was like, have we? I know I have another Best Picture winner on here. It's literally one of the reasons why I put why I recorded it was Sean said it was the Best Picture. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, I'll give it a shot. I was also on my list. It was my number 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, that was another one that was higher on Sean's, uh, higher on mine. Uh, yeah. It's... Ooh, it it I, is not an easy watch. No, it affected me more than I thought it would. I mean, not in the sense that like it made me quit drinking. Essentially, it's about. I guess I should maybe get with what it's about yeah. first. So it's yeah. about an alcoholic who is supposed to go away for the weekend with his brother. Yep, and ends up getting drunk, and his brother leaves without him, and so the guy spends the entire weekend just on a bender. Yeah, and just the things that he does to try and get the money in order to keep drinking. And he is just clawing at life and he is just desperate for that next drink. And it is, it's a really, really hard movie to watch. Speaking of great drunk acting, Ray Milland, amazing. Yeah. It's, it's remarkable. And so this is another one where it's like, I couldn't even pick up my phone. I don't even think I texted you about it. You didn't. Because I you, was just—I think you told me the next time we podcasted, yeah, or the next day, or something like that. Because I just—I couldn't even. There was so much going on, and it was so story-filled that I had to just sit and watch. I couldn't. And be visually distra- interesting, yeah, visually interesting too. I just couldn't be distracted by anything, so I just sat there. And although no, the only thing that I—the only thing that I. Oh, Twitter. It was on Twitter yeah. when I said, is it weird that I that watching an alcoholic in a movie makes me want a whiskey? Because it kind of did. But at yeah. the same time, I was like, I feel like I can't drink while watching this right now because... Because you feel so bad for Jane Wyman. Yeah. Who played Helen. And you're just like, oh, yeah. move on. Why Please do you still love on. him? And they explore that in the movie. Why does they this do. girl still love him? And how do they even get together? And it's just, it's... Oh, it is an incredible movie. It's Billy Wilder, man. Billy Wilder is very rarely talked about. And when people talk about best directors... Especially with today's film people. It's a, it's a lot of Kubrick and sure. Tarant- people love Tarantino yeah. or and whatever. Like, I love Kubrick they're great. and Tarantino I'm not too. saying they're not great, yeah. but I think Billy Wilder does deserve to be in the conversation because he did this, he did The Apartment. 
Oh, God. He did Some Like It Hot. Which I, is on my PVR, but it's from the 50s, so I'm like, I'll watch that once I've done the 41. Some Set Boulevard. Okay. Like, he wrote, he directed, he yeah. did so many things, and this was this was him, and it's yeah. just like, ugh. It's, it's heartbreaking and gut-wrenching and... It's and the, this is the one that I asked Sean if he had if um, the guy who did uh, Sullivan's Travels directed this because yeah there's a little bit of a, a downer sl- ending at the end and it's just like things are left uncertain and I just wasn't sure to a point to a point yes yes and I was just like I was just watching this wrapped like my hands are like almost literally on my face just like oh my god I just I need to know what happens here so it was oh. I I was shocked at how much I liked this movie. It's super high. Yeah. So it, it had a quite If you were to make me. a top hundred films, because I'm working on mine. Yeah. If and you I, were, it is in the process. It's just I haven't started it, but like I'm thinking about them and yeah. Yeah. Well, and you've got, I we need to get you a better basis, yeah. I think, first. We're getting there, but yeah. 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 Do you think this will make it? It would be... It, I don't know how high it would be, but I think it would definitely make get it into the top hundred. Because I, I really this this one really got to me. Yeah, it was very interesting, and just I really enjoyed seeing that life. Do you think you could watch it again, or is this one of those movies where it's like I've seen it, it's brilliant, I don't think I'm gonna go through it again? I think I could. I'd have to be in the right state of mind. Okay, like. Because I've seen American History X, and I love that film. And there are some scenes that I have a really hard time watching. It's not one, or like Requiem for a Dream, where it's like, I don't need to see that movie all the time. No. I've seen it once or twice, and like, it's a tremendous film. Aronofsky, in my opinion, is probably his best. But Yeah, maybe. Anyway. Black Swan's pretty wonderful. Black Swan is terrific, <laughs> yes. That's, that's the only place where I'm like, mm. Yeah, that's true. I forgot that he, but yes, but. Yeah. But that's another one that's really great, but very hard to watch. And if a couple of years from now, I might kind of go, you know what? I'm in a good place. It's a great film. I would like to see... I feel great. I should watch something that will make me feel terrible. Well, I think I watched it and it was like, it was a gloomy day. I'm like, well, this will reflect the mood outside. So I watched it because of that. But <laughs> it's like, just emotionally, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go on this journey again. <coughs> I think I could, but I couldn't watch it again tomorrow. It's too fresh. That's fair. I would. Ha- it w- I'm gonna have to give it some time. But if I'm if I'm watching TCM, like, I don't think I would ever PVR it again. But if I happen to be flipping through, I'm like, oh, the Lost Weekend's on right now. I will watch it. I think that's it would be fair. one of those. Cool. So, yeah, that's my number two. Another best picture. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I've seen two best pictures from the '40s. Weird. <laughs> number one. Yeah. His Girl Friday, also from 1940. What? That is a year that is remarkable, as far as I'm concerned. Howard Hawks comedy. It's essentially, do you know the the front page? What? The film, or the play. I don't know if I do. Ah, that's what this is. Oh, okay. Uh, It's been made into a film four times, I think. Oh, wow. There was a Broderick, like a Matthew Broderick one in the 80s as well. Interesting. Um, But this one, gender swapped it. Uh, So Rosalind Russell is the ace reporter. And Cary Grant, Cary Grant, is the newspaper editor. And Rosalind Russell's character is his ex-wife, who is going to get married to a super boring man in Buffalo. Okay. 
Uh, and he's using a big Buffalo story. Places. I know Buffalo. Uh, <laughs> or Albany? Uh, Somewhere upstate New York. Yeah, okay. upstate. Yeah. So he's using this last story to try and keep her around, to try and convince her that he and the newspaper life is more exciting than being a housewife in upstate New York. Interesting. This is a film that Quentin Tarantino shows to his casts to show them how dialogue pace should work. Really? This is a film that I will do the same thing for. Okay. This is one of the fastest movies I have ever seen. It is an hour and a half. There's probably two hours of script in it. It's ridiculous. It's just a roller coaster of... Speed. Wow. And it is... You will be laughing and you will miss the setups for the next three scenes. Like, it's just... It's so fast. Man, that's And it's a awesome. great story. Because I know we have certainly talked about this one because I know oh, yeah. like it's number one on your list, which means that it would be fairly high on your list of all time. Yeah. So this is one that I feel like I should definitely check. Yeah, well, and it was on Netflix in yeah. Canada for a while, and I think you had it on your list, but they pulled it for weeks or whatever. Well be, yeah. So it's just now it'll be next time it's on, I will send it your okay. way, obviously, because, yeah, it's... And it just doesn't sound like... I mean, I get it when you when you talk about the plot. It's like, of course that's a comedy, but at the same time, it's just like... It is and it isn't. Yeah. It's both, and it's it's weird, and there's so many great character actors, and it's got a murder story in it. That's the story. That's the the newspaper thing is around an escaped murderer. Okay, but like, <sighs> there's also this. Li- that's like that. That even just listening to them, like that sounds like it could be a three hour long movie. Hour and a half. Wow. And it's just like, and it's gone. Awesome. Love cool. it. I will definitely check that out. Mine is not an hour and a half movie, and no, it is not. not snappy and speedy and has you laughing. No, but you want to live again. I do. I ugly cried at the end of this movie That's because fair. I loved it so much. Well, and just because of the story and just like, and I'm a weepy bastard at the best of times. Yep. It's a wonderful life. It's Jimmy Stewart. I love Jimmy Stewart. I have a soft spot for, for him. Yep. Um, this is... I, I saw it a year ago because I was working for Lunchbox Theater and we did the radio version of It's a Wonderful Life. So okay, I mean, sure. like, the actors were obviously on stage and people came to see the show, but they did all the Foley effects and everything on stage. And it was a very charming film. And uh, a guy that we went to school with played, um, why the hell can't I remember his name right now? Jimmy Stewart's character. Oh, uh, All I can think about is Clarence. I'm like, no, it's not Clarence. No, it's... that's the angel. And somebody's yelling at us right now. Mary and... I always think of Mary. George. George Bailey. Yes. Uh, a guy that we went to school with played George Bailey, and he was great. And kind of channeled Jimmy... Devin. Devin. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, okay. Kind of channeled a little bit of Jimmy Stewart, but made him his own, too. And, like, I knew the story. Oh, yeah but had never seen any film or, like, had never seen the, the play version or anything like that. So I finally checked it out. And, like, we I saw the the hour-long Lunchbox play version that cut down all the, like, basically did, like... Well, you could cut the party, for sure. Yeah, like, they just kind yeah, of... Yeah, I, I get it. They okay. just were able to cut a lot of the dialogue and just kind of, flew, like, cut to the most integral parts. Sure. But the the film, you get to see so much more of his life. And it's just, like... Oh, man. Right at the end, I was just dying. 
Like, yeah. I was just sitting there just, like, tears streaming and, like, snorking and just like, oh, God. Like, I just, <laughs> I loved it. So, <sighs> The Lost Weekend could have been my number one, but there's something about It's a Wonderful Life that just oh, there's got nothing to wrong me. With that. And it just gets me in all the feels. and Because it's happy, it's sad, and it's, like, it's happy, sad at the end. And just, it's yeah. it's pretty, pretty great. So, and again, I think the the... The fact that we produced it last year at Lunchbox helps. That makes a difference, too. But it's... Uh, Gives you a connection exactly. as well that you didn't have because you didn't grow up with it. Exactly. Because there is that where, like, I saw I saw it young, and it's just like, oh, well, that was really good. Yeah. And so, so I, yeah, like, I have that Christmas nostalgia yeah. sort of feel to it. I'll do it once every three or four years, okay. I think. Yeah. But... Like, we never watched it growing up. Like, we had other Christmas movies that we would watch growing up. So sure. that was never on there. I don't think my mom and dad have ever seen it. And Fair. so... It's not – it became a Christmas movie later. Yeah. It was a flop. It flopped hard right? when it came out. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was not well-loved until it lapsed into syndication and it started going on television. Ah. And they put it on television every yeah. Christmas because it had some Christmas stuff in it sure. and it was cheaper to acquire. Yeah. And now it's what it is. Yeah. So And maybe – and that could very well be. It's just like they never watched it. And so a movie from the 40s I'm not going to watch as a 10-year-old. No. If – my mom and dad don't say we should watch this movie. When I have kids, there's a good chance they'll be like, hey. Lost weekend. <laughs> Sit. <laughs> this is what happens if you drink. <laughs> I can't. I can't finish. Deal with it, Atticus. <laughs> touchdown. <laughs> Deal with it. Darth Vader, you will sit there and watch this. Uh, my kids are going to hate me. Yep. Well, I guess that's it. You, Mr. and Miss Internet, are the lifeblood of our podcast, and we just want to answer your questions or just have a good old chat. Do you want to talk to us on Twitter? I can be found at David Ron. That's Ron with two N's. Sean is at Sean Cord. That's Sean with a U. I don't want to emphasize at Sean Cord more on yours than I do on mine, but it doesn't matter. That's why everyone finds me. Oh, at! <laughs> I am at David Ron. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, Sean Clark. And we are at Guys From Podcast. You can email us at guysfrompodcast at gmail.com, Facebook us at The Guys From, or if you can find a movie with Van Johnson in it, track it down and overdub his part with questions that you want us to answer. We'll watch the movie thinking that it's just a Van Johnson movie and be pleasantly surprised when you hear questions addressed to us. He is really good. Is he? He's Van Johnson good. <laughs> Oh, if you enjoy the guys for podcast, tell anyone you can any way you can. And the best thing you could do to help us get the word out there about this podcast that you can listen to on what is essentially now the same as 40s radio, because it's essentially replacing talk radio as podcasting. Right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I know I went for a walk, but I'm on gold meds, so it's fine. Leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. We are available pretty much everywhere podcasts are found, including Player FM, Stitcher, the Blueberry app, Two Thumbs Up Media. You name it, we are probably there. Mm -hmm. Hey Dave, is there anything you wanted to plug? Listen to the song In the Mood. It's a great swing song from the 40s. I almost guarantee you've heard it before because it's everywhere, but it's worth a re-listen because it's fun and good and upbeat and just will make you feel like you're in a 40s... Warhol drinking beer and just about to, uh, Warhol? Yeah, forties Andy Warhol. Like the You'll feel like you're inside forties <laughs> Andy Warhol. So when he's like what, fourteen? I was I was trying to think of like the, the the halls where they would like all the Canteen. Canteen. There you go. Yeah. 
<sighs> it's been a long time since we've done this face to face. I get confused. I guess I don't know. I'm distracting. Right. Anyway, the only reason I know this one so much, I did a show a couple, uh, a number of years ago, where literally for the top of the show and the when we came out of intermission and curtain call, the director used that song, so I heard it. Three times a Three show. Three times a show for a week because of tech runs and everything. So it was like, I bet you I heard it 25, 24 times within a week. And it's just like, oh my God, I'm so sick of this song. But I just listened to it today. I'm like, oh no, it's still great. So in the mood. <laughs> Sean? On our website, www.theguysfrom.com, aside from hosting this podcast from inside Andy Warhol, we also write articles on things like music. That's indie music every weekday, throwback tracks on Thursday, movies, The Simpsons, gaming, you name it, we'll probably write about it. <laughs> inside Andy Warhol, that sounds like a documentary. Where can we find all that again? www.theguysfrom.com All right. For more horror and pop culture goodness, check out The Dark Half, that's T-H-E underscore D-A-R-K-H-A-L-F on Instagram. Went through a bit of a rebranding just because decided to get away from rubber monsters and more to just a general kind of pop culture thing. So check it out there. And also, unless you are another Sean, you probably haven't seen all of these movies. So... We definitely recommend that you check them out. And if you do have Turner Classic Movies because it is attached to AMC or whatever cable thing it is attached to in your region, give it a look. Go through them and just PVR stuff that you think sounds interesting or check for all of our lists because you will find a great amount of movies. I've literally PVR movies from TCM that you haven't told me. I'm like, that sounds actually really interesting. I'm going to try that one. There you go. Yeah. Special thanks to The Sweets for our terrific opening music. Check out their website at www.wearethesweets.com. And as usual, special thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for our takeout music called Fearless First, as well as today's ad music called Rainbows. This has been episode 195 of the Guys From Podcast. Closing in on 200. We're back together. Ah, woohoo! Thanks for listening. Once again, I'm Sean. And I'm Dave. Have a great week, everybody. The Guys From Podcast is brought to you in part by Handsome's Mustache Wax. The mustache wax Hitler doesn't use. Hey.